Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Some of you have been going to church for a while. You know we're going to be looking at the... uh, 37th chapter of Ezekiel in a little bit, but, but not yet. Uh, I want to ask you this morning, if you realize your destiny is tied to who you're connected to, it's really important who you're connected to. I mean, imagine if Sonny never met Cher, right? <laughs> or imagine if Simon never knew Garfunkel. What if Paul Walker never met Vin Diesel, all right? Can, am I a little more on some of your page this morning? How about uh, if Peanut Butter never met Jelly, Okay. No, that'd be bad. What about if Jim never met Pam? Some of you catch that. The office, no? Over your heads. All right. All right. Maybe this is more on par. How about if Andy never met Barney? And if I'm going to get spiritual this morning, what if Luke never met Leah? All right. What, see, there's, there's something about who you're connected to. Let's really get spiritual. What if uh, Ruth never met Naomi? Her life would have been different. What if Elisha never came in contact with Elijah? The course of his life wouldn't have been different and he wouldn't have fulfilled the same things he did for God. Or what if Timothy never came in contact with Paul? You see, it's important who your life is connected to. And so you may be blessed by yourself, but my question this morning is what would happen if everybody in this room got together? What would happen if every church in Christ's body got together? What could we accomplish? What exactly uh, are we seeing in our culture today we're seeing a divided church church god's god the body of jesus christ is meant to work together that refuses to work together and i think this is an important thing that we discuss because this is not what we see a vision of in scripture that jesus is looking for Uh, we are not working together the way he wants us to and i think much of this has to do with possibly some insecurity among leadership in churches, I've seen it myself, um, different ministries or churches saying, well, I'd like to work with you, but the, I feel like this church over here is going to steal my people. You ever heard that before? And my question is, who said they were your people in the first place? This got me thinking because I remember I was reading the scriptures and I saw the story about, you know, John the Baptist. He had all these disciples and he was baptizing people in the Jordan for repentance. He ended up baptizing Jesus. Jesus comes along. John has disciples. he's, He's proclaiming Jesus. Jesus comes along. And so now I thought to myself, wow, John did all this and Jesus just, you know, came along and now his ministry must have completely changed. But then later in John's life, we see him in prison. And he's wondering what is going on. And and the Bible says he sends one of his disciples to Jesus to ask what's going on. And Jesus says, um, go back and report to him that the blind are receiving sight. And all these different things that Isaiah prophesied about that the Messiah was going to do. All these things are happening. But it interests me that it said one of John's disciples went to speak to Jesus. You see, the problem is Jesus shows up, but we still want people to follow us instead of following Jesus. And I think we can understand that there's a different mindset between people who want to build their own kingdom and people that want to build God's kingdom. And how we see this play out in church is the same insecurity as we talk bad about other churches, don't we? we I've heard many times, ooh, those big churches. Or, oh, those small churches. Mm. 
Those seeker-friendly churches, oh my gosh. Ooh, you know those, those Baptist churches, or ooh, those tongue-talking churches, ooh, I just, you know, and, and we think all these different things, or we even say, ooh, that pastor doesn't preach the truth, or ooh, that pastor has stinky breath, that's disgusting, I won't go over there, or whatever it is, but we always think that we're doing some good, but can I ask you, what would happen if the body of Christ got together? I think Jesus told us exactly what would happen in uh, John chapter 17. We're going to read there first, starting in verse 20. Jesus is praying for his disciples, but then he goes on and says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is interesting. Jesus gives us a formula here for revelation of Jesus in our city. He gives us a formula for the world to know that Jesus is alive and that he's real, right? And it's not the same formula I got when I was a youth pastor where people said, get the football player and get the cheerleader to come and then they'll invite all their friends or, or maybe we, we think things like, ooh, if Justin Bieber would serve the Lord, then all of a sudden all these people would, would believe because he's famous, right? Well, guess what? He, he tried that and Christians hated him, okay? So that didn't work. Or have the best uh, worship team. Have the best lighting. That's what's going to do it. That's what will bring people into the kingdom of God. Or You know what else? Don't do altar calls, okay? Because that's uncomfortable. Don't do that. Don't speak about repentance. In fact, don't do anything to make people uncomfortable. And all of a sudden, we're going to have a revelation of Jesus in our city. Can I tell you that that is not working? That we've seen that? And the formula that, rev- that Jesus gives for a revelation of him in our city is unity among believers. If we have unity among believers, our city and our country and our, our world will know that he loves us and that God sent him for us. That's it. It's, and when, when are we going to believe what God's word says? I mean, we've tried everything else, right? When are we going to believe that if the body of Christ can get together in unity, then the world will see that Jesus is real? We've tried it. Why not try what Jesus said would work? Have you ever pondered, maybe I'm strange and in, introspective like this, but pondered how intricate the human body is? Like the fact that my brain sends signals to my hand to even move, and my hand picks them up almost instantaneously to do it. And then if I, if I feel pain, then my nerve sends signals back to my brain to tell me I'm in pain to protect me because that's actually good for me to feel pain. Or the fact that my eyes receive light and process that light in a way where I can actually see things outside of myself. Or the fact that we hear it and the different ways that our body works. The fact that you breathe while sleeping without even trying. The fact that your heart beats naturally without you having to do anything. It's just something happening within you. Or how about the fact that you eat and your body processes and uses the nutrients. But I've realized if there's disunity in my body, I'm sick. 
If there's disunity in my body, then, then things aren't working correctly and I have a sickness and I can't operate the way I was created to operate. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I think there is a sickness in the body of Christ. There's a disunity and it's not working the way God created it to work because it's out of unity. And if we can get churches and people to work together and Christians even in our house to work together, I believe Jesus will use this place as a revelation to our city that he's real and that he loves them because they see the love of Jesus in you. Remember what I said last week, that God always wants to make the two one, but the enemy always wants to make the one two. Division is his game because he knows what will happen if we can get in unity, what God can do with it. Ezekiel 37, we're going to start in verse 1. I want to read you the story. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Lord says to these bones, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, as I was, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say it, say it. Say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Now this story is interesting because Ezekiel comes up on this valley of dry bones, meaning what was created once unified has now fallen apart and there seems like there's no life in it. It's dry and dead. And in this story, you need to understand that Ezekiel was giving a prophecy to the nation of Israel about what God sees in them. This was a prophecy to God's people. That Ezekiel walked upon this valley of dry bones and and there was no life in it. And it made me realize something, that sometimes God gives us bones and not armies. He gives us bones and not armies. and, And this creates an issue with us. Because God gives us bones and asks us to speak to them and they become an army, but we love finished products and God loves the process. And so what happens is we have a lot of Christians and people who are really good at pointing out what's dead in the church and what's not operating correctly, but very few that say, you know what, I want to be a part of the solution and I want to speak to the problem. We have people that want to walk away and say it's dead and say, ah, that's not what the Bible says about the church. I'm leaving that place. But you know what? We need some people to stand up and say, I'm speaking to these bones and they will live because God is not finished. He doesn't give us armies. We're looking for an army, but God loves the process and he's looking for a church that will stand up and say, you know what? This is what God says about the church. People that refuse to get involved in the process of being a solution, they just become part of the problem. And I think God is looking for some people in his body that will stand up and not just give their perspective, but start being a solution and saying what God says about it. You ever met some people that love to give their perspective, but they never have a solution? 
Have you met my wife? Um, I'm just curious this morning. Sometimes I'll be at home and working on, I was recently painting some things in my house, and, and my wife's a really good supervisor. And she, she comes up and she, she said to me, are you going to leave it like that? And I thought to myself, thank you, helper. That's why God created you, to be my helper. Um, or maybe for you, it's that you weren't properly trained at work. Nobody showed you how to do it. And now they want to walk up to you and say, do better. You're not doing good. Do that better. Or maybe um, it's the church. People like to say things about the church. all the time. The church needs to do more outreach, but they never show up or support anything. Or my favorite is, the church needs to be cleaned. And you know what I like to say? I usually say, well, what time can you be here? You know, because instead of being part of the problem, you can be part of the solution. Which, by the way, can we just honor Keisha, who cleans the church every week for, on Saturday for, for hours? I don't know if you knew she did that. But we look at bones, and we like to just say, those are bones, and it's easy, and we can see what's wrong. But the God asks his church to speak to the bones that they can live. He wants us to speak to the thing because we can bring what we see into alignment with what he says if we speak to it. He gives us vision and direction and he calls us to speak his word over it and it becomes what he sees. What he sees in army, we see, we see dry bones, but if we speak to it, we can see what he sees. Does that make sense? The problem is we have a lot of people who over the years have hijacked the vision of God for their own vision. We have people that have said, you know what, what can I do to build my kingdom? And, and I, I like to fly um, sometimes, I've, I've flown from time to time, and, and you get, I like to get on a plane, and, and, uh, but you notice something if you get on a plane often that the pilot sometimes will stand there when you're getting on the plane and greet everyone, you notice this? And when I do this, I always like to say hi to the pilot and, you know, greet him. And I always like to check if he's drunk, you know what I mean, <laughs> to make sure he's not. And, okay. Uh, and then I always like to say we're going to, we're going to Atlanta, right? Just to make sure, like, that he has the same vision for where I'm going as I do. Because he's piloting this plane. And if he's heading in a direction I don't want to go in, I'm not getting on that plane. Amen? And so... The same way, if I was to get on that plane and expect the pilot to change his direction to where I want to go, that's called hijacking, okay? And you remember years ago, the, the shoe bomber? What happened was he had a different vision for what he wanted to happen and where he wanted this plane to go than the pilot had. And, and you know what I love about this story is the pilot didn't even have to leave the cockpit. The people on the plane handled it and said, you know what, you're not going to ignite that bomb on this plane. And I believe God, the pilot, has given us vision and direction, but us in the plane in unity flying in the same direction as God desires for us to go, there's going to be people that rise up and try and ignite a bomb. We're going to say, you're not going to ignite that bomb in this church. Gossip, nope. Dissension, nope. Unforgiveness, nope. Bitterness, nope. You're not going to ignite that bomb in this church because we have unity. We can handle this. We're not going to allow hijackers to veer us off the course of where God is heading with his church and his body and what, what he's calling this body of Christ to do because we're in unity heading in the direction as the pilot leads us. Ezekiel, he, he's asked by God this interesting question. And when God asks a question, it's, always, it's never so that we can give him an answer. God already knows the answer so we can get a revelation of something. And, and he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I could just imagine Ezekiel like, I don't know. I'm just good at pointing out that they're dead. I, can, can, can its marriage live? I don't know. 
I'm just good at pointing out all the problems with my marriage. Can, can, this, can this friendship be healed? I don't know. Can this, can this um, body and this mind and this emotional state I'm in, can it be made whole? I don't know, God. How about this church? Can this church be unified? I don't know. And then God says something interesting to him. He says, I want you to talk to the bones. This makes no sense, right? I mean, I know some of you talk to your pets, so maybe you understand this better than me. I'm just kidding. I talk to my dog, but I wouldn't talk to a cat. They don't care what you have to say, okay? I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) Can we just acknowledge that much of the things God asks us to do make no sense? Let's be honest, right? We can be honest in church among other Christians that much of what God asks us to do makes no sense. We can't reason it. It takes faith. We believe that God was born of a virgin. Uh, we believe that God, he, um, he's here. We can't see him, but we lift our hands and we pray and we worship to a God we've never seen. It doesn't make sense reason with our reason. It takes faith, and we experience it through faith. But we say things in church that nobody else understands, too. They don't make any sense. We say things a non-believer would, would be like, you're crazy, I don't understand, this sounds like a cult. We say things like, you want to be washed by the blood of the Lamb? They'd be like, I don't want to go to your church, that sounds weird. I don't know what's going on over there. Or, or we say different, all kinds of things that we think are normal, but I'm telling you, people that don't grow up in church, they don't understand. Like, we, we used to say when I was growing up, um, hey, before we get on the road, we need to pray for traveling mercies. What are traveling mercies? I don't, you know, if you didn't go to church, you wouldn't understand these things. It makes no sense. Or maybe, um, have you ever heard this one? You ask for people that have prayer requests, and, and someone says, yeah, unspoken. What does that mean? Unspoken. Oh, you want me to pray? You just, you're just not going to tell me what to pray for. Okay, I'll pray. And I know it makes sense to me. I'm in church. I know it makes sense to you. But some of these things, they make no sense to a non-believer. Why would I talk to these bones? It's because God sees an army. And if I want to see what God sees, then I have to say what God says. We live in a generation that is really good at giving our opinion. See, we're really good at saying what we think. This is our social media generation. This is what I think. This is what I see. This is my opinion on this thing that's in the news. This is what I think about what's wrong with the church. This is what I think. If I was in charge, this, would, this is what I would do. Can I tell you, I don't really care as, mount, as much what you think as much as I care about what God says. What does God say about it? Our opinion doesn't always matter. God did not ask your opinion on these bones. He wants us to speak to the bones so that they can live. And I think we have too many people that are, that are good at sharing their opinion, but will we say what he says? Because if we say what he says, we will see what he sees. And he sees an army in dead bones. And he sees an army in the body of Christ. You don't believe me? Try it with your spouse. Tell them how bad they are. Tell them all the problems you see with them, and they will stay that way. But tell them who God created them to be and what you see in them, and they will grow into it. They will become what you say. If you say what God says, they will become that thing. Try it with your kids. Tell them how disobedient and disrespectful and rebellious they are, and I promise you they're going to stay that way, but you call out what God put in them and what what God says about them, and they will become that very thing. When I was a kid, I remember about this time of year, every year, there would be Christmas lights, and it was before these cool, these cool, like, uh, icicle Christmas lights that had the ball. You remember the ball ones? They were, they were bigger. 
And I was a great kid. Let me pre- pre- preface this with this. I was, this was not normal for me. Don't ask my parents afterwards. They'll lie. But, this, but I, one time I, I realized that by accidentally breaking one of these lights that they made a very loud popping noise. And so me and one of my friends, we, we were bored. I don't know. We were, I was probably like eight or nine. I don't really, I'm not sure about the age, but we went to my house and we grabbed like a stick or like a bat or a club or something. And we went to my neighbor's house. He had a picket fence around his yard with lights all around it. And we thought the sound was so cool. I wanted to hear it over and over and over. And, uh, something happened. Uh, we alerted the person inside who lived in that house and he came out and, and he spoke in a tongue that needed no translation. Can I, can I tell you that this morning? And, and, um, and so he, he asked us, take me to your house. He was furious. And being an eight year old or nine year old, I, I wanted to uh, do exactly what he said, but I somehow forgot where I lived and led him on a wild goose chase for about an hour or looking for my house. I just can't remember and hiding behind. Never mind. I was a good kid. Don't believe anything I said, but do you know what? I got home and, and, uh, I remember after my parents had spoken to them and secretly laughed about it, but not to me because I was in trouble. I got in trouble for it. But I remember my dad took me aside and had a conversation with me and he said something to me. He said, that boy out there doing those things, that's not my son. And you know what happened is he wasn't speaking to the action of what I did. All of a sudden he spoke to what God put in me and destiny and something greater. And you know what happened? It called it out of me and it told me who I was created to be, not who I was being currently. And we need some Christians to do the same thing to the church to say, you know what? I know what I see, but I'm going to tell you what I, you are called to be. And I'm calling you into unity that we are the body of Christ, the spotless bride of Christ that he's returning for. We can speak life into the body. And these verses, they give me hope because I see bones everywhere. I see bones in, in families. I see bones in marriages. I see bones in lives. And I see bones in the church. But God brought life where there was no life. He brought hope where there was no hope just by speaking his word over something. And I think it's important to, to realize something about God. And this is what gives me so much hope for the church is God gives you bones But if you speak over it, he creates an army. God gives you a a wedding, but you speak God's word over it and he gives you a marriage. God gives you a child, but you speak God's word over that child and he gives you a man or woman of God. You see, God gives you life, but you speak God's word over your brokenness and he gives you wholeness. God does these things and he he gives us this broken group of people called the church and we apply his word and they become the spotless bride of Christ. I'm encouraged that the church, God is not finished with the church. Can I get the worship team to come back up? And I know some of you are thinking, Brent, it's, it's not that easy. I have all of this stuff. I've spoken God's word over. Maybe it's personal for you. Maybe you have some things going on in your life that you've had brokenness from your past and you've spoken God's word over. And Brent, I, I just don't see it. Can I encourage you? Speak to it again. Because Ezekiel, he, he said these things and it started to come together and he saw some life, some things happening. He saw tendons and skin come back on, but there was no breath in it. And he said, God, I, there's, it's, it's coming together, but there's no breath in it. And maybe some of you this morning, that's your life and you're here and you've, and you've given your life to Jesus and you've saw some things come together and you've applied the word of God to your life, but you're like, God, it's just missing something. And I believe God's word for you this morning is speak to it again.
because I'm not finished. It's a process. We love finished products, and you are not finished yet. If you're here, God is not finished with you yet. It's time to speak God's word over yourself again. It's time to speak God's word over the church again. Speak to it again. Ezekiel, he spoke to it again, and breath came into the bodies. Can I ask you this morning, speak to your marriage again. Speak to your family again. Speak over your children again. Speak to that broken situation in your life again. Church, we need to speak over the unity of the body of Christ again this morning. Because God said he will give his breath if we'll speak again. I love this analogy because in the scripture, breath represents the spirit of God. And so, if you're in community groups, you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Josh gave a teaching on unity and diversity. You know what his main point was? The church of Jesus Christ is bound together and unified by the Spirit of God. And I just believe this morning that if we speak to it, if we speak life over the church and over your life, I believe the Spirit of God can come together and unify what the enemy's been working for years and years to divide, but the breath of God in a moment can bring life to what was dead, to what seemed to appear to have all the things life needed but was still laying there lifeless. And that's something, you could draw that analogy about the church, that there appears to be some life and parts and there's some things, but there's something missing. There's a unity missing. And the breath of God is what we need to see the body of Christ turn into the unified bride of Christ that he calls us to be. And I'm sure most of you would agree with me this morning that it's obvious there's some sickness in the body of Christ. And we can do two things. We can, we can do what others have done in the past and just say what's wrong with it. And what needs to change? Or we can just say, you know what? Not an encounter. We're going to speak life over the church. We're going to speak hope over the church. And we're going to see what God sees. We're going to see a spotless bride of Christ that's going to be in unity, not competing with anybody else because it's not my kingdom anyways. It's his kingdom. So his will be done in Jesus' name over our city. And when I can get out of the way, Jesus can become more in my place. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just declare that it's not about us, God. That there is, there is breath coming to lives this morning. There is breath coming to this body. In Jesus' name, we pray over encounter that we will speak life over your church. And we will be a light in the city of unity, God. And we will not compete. We will bless other churches who persecute us. We will, we will send an offering to churches who persecute us, God. And we will just say, God, your glory. You bring glory from wherever you had it. We have the same spirit as Paul who said, so what? Even if they speak bad against me, at least Christ is preached. Is preached. And God, we just believe that if you're being preached and glorified God let it happen because it's your kingdom let us be servants who can humble ourselves and understand it's about you Jesus and only you Father we just want to see what you see you know this morning God sees unity he sees power in his body he sees the blood of Christ cleansing lives and he sees Christians being living sacrifices he sees people saying you know what I'm sold out for God's kingdom and not my own I want to see it too if you want to see it will you stand up with me and just begin to lift your hands and just say, God, that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see. We see a sickness, but we want to see your power. We want to see your unity, God. We want to see your breath bring life into this thing. God, we know there's sickness in the body of Christ, but we want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem, Lord. We want to speak your word over it. We'll be Ezekiel's God who will speak to it again and let your breath come upon it in Jesus' name. What about you this morning? Do you have sickness in your body?
Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's mental, emotional. Maybe you have spiritual sickness. Maybe you're dry this morning. I want to encourage you. Speak to it again in the name of Jesus. We just declare the mighty breath of God. Come and move in every life in this place, God. As you're moving on the body as a whole, I pray every member, Lord Jesus, would find healing from their issues so that they will no longer have the baggage that holds them back from loving unconditionally and being a unified, unified with their brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Lord, we just pray against every division in this place. We pray healing over every broken life, over every broken marriage, over every broken relationship. We speak life over it in Jesus' name. We bring it into unity with the Word of God. We're not going to declare what we see. We're going to declare what Jesus says about it. Breath of God, we pray you would come and bring life to these dead places in Jesus' name. You know, I... I heard, I heard this, I read this article about this phenomenon called a second wind that runners have. And what it is, is it's this, this thing with running where you run and you run and you run and you get exhausted and then something happens if you press through, you get what they call a second wind and science doesn't even really understand what causes this, but they know that a second wind will make you run farther and harder than you could before. And I just believe that's someone's testimony this morning, that God's getting ready to do in your life, that you feel like giving up, and you feel like, the, God, maybe you feel like God's done with the church, maybe you feel like it's over, but I believe a second wind is coming to the church, and maybe you feel like your marriage is dead in its bones, but I believe God is releasing a second wind to you this morning, because I love the story, and I'm tying it all together with this, that the disciples, when Jesus had gone to heaven, were all together in one place, in one accord, that's unity, and there was a wind, a sound like a rushing wind, the breath of God that came and filled the whole house. And I just believe in the name of Jesus that there's a sound of a rushing wind coming over your life and over your ministry and over the house of God and over the church of God, his body in Jesus name. Lord, let your wind flow in this place in Jesus name. Come on, worship him with me and just say, God, I believe there's a second wind coming. I feel like I came in here ready to give up. But right now in the Jesus name, it is not your time to give up. You press on. There's a second wind coming in Jesus name come on lift up your voices for a minute before we go